Imposter syndrome is a paradox. Others believe in you. You don't believe in yourself. Yet, you believe yourself instead of them. If you doubt yourself, shouldn't you also doubt your judgment of yourself? When multiple people believe in you, it might be time to believe them. These are the wise words of Adam Grant. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Hello, everyone. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with my co-hosts, LaShawn and Perva. So how's it going? It's good. It's good. That was a really good quote. Wow. Deep. Deep. LaShawn, like that quote? Starting strong. Yeah. Adam Grant's my favorite. Your favorite? Should we have him on mm-hmm. the podcast soon? He doesn't mess with us like no. that. But we had he Dr. Could. Corey Keyes, right? Who he's... Mm. Right? That's our in. Mm-hmm. Adam Grant, if you happen to come across our podcast, just send us an email. We'll hook it up. Okay? <laughs> all right. All jokes aside, let's talk about something that a lot of people have experienced or are still experiencing at some point in their lives or their work life. And it's something called imposter syndrome or I've seen it called the imposter phenomenon. LaShawn, what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And are there any examples that you recall where you felt that way? Yeah, so with imposter syndrome, they have traditional definitions and concepts. But overall, when we talk about imposter syndrome, we're talking about people that think that they're frauds and undeserving of an opportunity and that they don't belong there. So... Most importantly, they're also terrified that people might find them out that they are a fraud and they are not deserving of these opportunities. And when you're thinking of some sort of example that you could relate to, people often ask the questions, they get a job, they get accepted, and they're asking themselves, am I really qualified for this job or role? My colleagues have so much more to offer than me. Do I really fit in here at this organization? Or fear of being seen as a failure, feeling that overworking yourself is the only way to meet those expectations. Okay. Perva, you feel imposter syndrome? What does that mean to you when you hear imposter syndrome? Yeah, it's something I've been struggling with for a solid minute. Like it's such a work in progress. And I think no matter how objectively successful you are in life CEOs even go through imposter syndrome a lot of people go through this someone you might think is like oh my god they're so much more qualified than me are probably also thinking that about someone else something that I personally have also found works into the realm of imposter syndrome is also downplaying your achievements so say you get this amazing award or you got into this program that you've been really wanting to and you find an excuse or the other to be like oh it's not that big of a deal that person got it too very much downplaying these amazing 
things that you've done and writing it off as like everyone does that or that's not that big of a deal, like not really taking the time to celebrate the fact that you are really cool and that you are doing amazing things in life. So I think that's a big part of it as well, aside from just the present feeling of being somewhere and feeling like a fraud. It's also just not reflecting and realizing that you are really cool and you are pretty amazing and whatever you are doing does show that you're successful and very talented. I like that. Gordon, what do you think? Yeah, I think if you have a fear of being seen as a failure, fear fear of being outed as a fraud, right? You talked about the overworking aspect. Another key aspect, LaShawn, is unworthy of attention or affection. So this plays itself out in if you're getting praised at work for your accomplishment, you're like, well, you helped me a lot or whatever. You won't acknowledge and accept that you played a big role in whatever that success was because you don't feel like you deserve it. You don't feel like you have the skills to do it again. And that kind of holds us back from reaching some attainable goals sometimes. And I started to look more into this and I asked the question to myself, what are some of those factors that perpetuate this in individuals and at the population level in terms of imposter syndrome? And one of the main things that I found was that growing up in families that placed a large emphasis on achievement was a big factor in people feeling imposter syndrome in adulthood. And one of the important things I want to just get out the way early on is that imposter syndrome is not a diagnosable disorder or illness is just something to describe that feeling where you're just constantly not feeling like you belong somewhere or feeling that you don't belong amongst your peers, whether it's in the workplace or at school. That's one of the key things that I found that played a major role. And even minority status was a big predictor of imposter syndrome as well, because you're oh, told wow. all your life that you have to work twice as hard to get to where someone who may be of a different race is. So that actually has a damaging impact on us as we go throughout life, which was incredibly surprising. Perva, you had a reaction to that. What went through your mind? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? It does make sense that you would internalize these things and it impacts your perception of how deserving you are of where you are in life or in your career. But to hear it specifically said like that just... It really does make you take a step back and be like, yeah, like my race, my sexual orientation, my gender, all that stuff can play an internal role in whether you have imposter syndrome or if you are experiencing that. I think it is important, you know, you said, Gordon, that this is not a diagnosable thing. It's just an experience that many people do experience. I think it's just very interesting to look at these. Like I've never personally looked into the factors that increase the likelihood of being impacted by imposter syndrome. But it is a nice spot to start at to think about how you can work alongside it, harness the fact that you have it to excel in your career, but to also just improve upon yourself, I guess you could say. So I think it's good to know what factors do increase it. LaShawn, any thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I think I think it is interesting. And I think even growing up in a South Asian family, you get those expectations all the time. But you got to be this, this or this or you're not successful and you're going to be a failure. So those those values and attitudes towards what defines success is perpetuated throughout your life course. At least for me, I bring that a lot from myself. 
that I need to be the perfect at everything or be doing the best at whatever I do in life, I have to be the best at it. <laughs> and that does, especially with the whole holding back from reaching your goals or even starting on something, really plays a role. So to think that that also goes hand in hand with imposter syndrome also <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, precisely. Like, and one of the key things that I found as well was around those mixed messages of overpraise and criticism, whether it's from your parents or maybe a boss at work. So on one hand, you'll get congratulated for something that you did really well. And then on the other hand, you get chastised for something that didn't go so well. And you more internalize the criticism and you're less enthusiastic towards the things that you do well. And you're more about avoiding bad things happening and it takes a toll on you and it changes the way you interact in your personal life and at work. So that's a very salient point. And it brings this idea mm -hmm. around the distinction between self-esteem and insecurity. So as I understand it, self-esteem in particular is how highly you think of yourself. In other words, how much confidence you have in yourself. On the other hand, security is how stable your confidence is. Such that to be insecure means that your confidence is not stable, right? So it's kind of two different continuums going on at the same time. And now that I think everyone here is reflecting in this conversation about how they align with imposter syndrome or not, where do you think you fit on the self-esteem and security spectrum, Perva? Oh, geez. I feel like it's the reflection of it does help with the overall improving of it. But I think for me, it's not really the self-esteem. It's the how stable my mm. confidence is. Okay. If someone were to ask me like, oh, do you think you're really capable? I'm like, yeah, I'm amazing. I'm really talented. I'm good at what I do. And I put my hard work into it. But the moments where you don't feel as confident, it does go. It's not as stable. There are moments where I don't particularly think that I'm the best at the job even though I might be versus other times where I'm like I can do this so well I have no issue so I think for me that's where my bit is is just how secure I am in the confidence and whether I think I can do something well and not necessarily the self-esteem of it but yeah for me I feel like I have high self-esteem in that I'm confident that I can figure out solutions to problems so whether it's i have a low point i'm confident that i can bounce back from that so i'm not necessarily confident that i can do everything perfect but i'm confident that i can in the face of adversity i can get to where i need to get to and because of that i find that because it's intrinsically direct it's internally directed that in mm -hmm. turn gives me security in my confidence but mm. for confidence in specific tasks, that depends on the task. And it also depends on people's perception of my ability to complete a task, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that, as you mentioned, the whole getting positive feedback about a certain thing does help with with the whole like leveling out the security of how confident you feel or how highly you do think of yourself. Um but just going back to that mixed messages, that really can make or break like where specifically your imposter syndrome is showing up, whether it's a self-esteem, both that and the security. But I think that's an interesting thing to reflect on. Yeah, I think swinging it back to just like an example that you would have at work. So for me, it would be like I'm doing 
stuff at work and I, I pride myself on the things that I do at work, doing it to really, really high quality work. And if there comes an instance where I make a mistake and my boss wants to talk about it, I think it's quite normal for your self-esteem to be affected a bit. But based on that, I also use that as motivation to build upon that and make sure that this doesn't happen in the future. And I think that it's a lot of that confidence about your ability to bounce back from some of these these instances where you do fail. And I think that's important because it keeps you almost motivated all the time to do things. And I think that's also in and of itself, that thought of trying to always improve yourself and show that you're better. I also think that is a form of imposter syndrome because at its root, you may not be comfortable with who you are and where you're at at that point of your career. So it comes from both sides, I feel. Yeah, and an example from not really work-related, but because, you know, people can have imposter syndrome even when they're just in school. For example, for when I started my master's in global health, it took a while for me to, because I, so I got, I was on the wait list for my master's program for a long while, and I got into the program really close to start date. So I think it was very much a whirlwind for me starting the program, finding my place in it, and like hearing from people who got into the program back in May, and then me getting into it in August, like literally just a couple week or something before the program actually started. And I really internalized something like that, where I was just like, man, I was on the wait list three months longer than this person. Clearly, I'm not as accepted into this program or I'm not as amazing as that person and it took a long while I'd say at least the whole first semester for me to really feel like I deserved my spot in my master's program and I don't think I showed it like LaShawn and I were in that master's program together and I don't think I showed it outwardly but I really really went like a mile extra for every single like every single project I did every single essay I wrote because I really felt like I had to prove my to myself and to others that I deserved the spot that I was in there for and it was really only in the second semester where I was taking on projects I was doing things to prepare for our before the COVID thing happened and I went with a global case competition and stuff that I was like you know what no maybe I am smart maybe I do deserve to be here like clearly I got into this program because I have the intellect for it or I've worked hard for it but I think things like that can also really put you in a funk it's not always even the feedback bit it's the things that you might blow out of proportion and be like really it doesn't matter you're in the program just like anybody else whether you got into it three months later than somebody else doesn't mean that you're less deserving Mm -hmm. of it so even within the realm of being in school I think it plays a role And when we're talking about downplaying accomplishments, I want to also point out that Perva actually got the highest distinction or award within the program as well. So shout out to Perva for overcoming some of that. I've never heard about it from, and I feel like, how long have we known each other, Perva? Over two years. years? I've never heard about this. Yeah. 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 Funny how that turned (laughs) out, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But on, on on a serious note, the... Basically, the gist of this is someone who's insecure at work, at school, or whatever setting it is, might feel like their competence or self-worth is completely deflated after just one mistake or one bad thing happens. And that's why we were talking about how important resiliency is. So if we flip this, turn this upside down, being secure 
would mean that you can fail without feeling like a failure, which is a very important part. And if you can fail without feeling like a failure, you're more confident that you can learn from failing and do better next time. But if you feel like a failure, it's going to translate to other things and you're not going to be as confident in addressing whatever needs to be addressed with regard to whatever task or thing that you failed at. Yeah. Make sense? Mic drop? Yeah. Mic drop. Mm. Walk off the stage. Mm. Every part of it is part of the process, right? Like the failing part, all the successes, Mm. all of that is part of the process to success. Mm. Don't put your self-worth and your self-esteem on whether you get something within the timeline that you're thinking you're going to get it in. So I think that's a very important point. Mic drop now. Okay. So (laughs) now we can walk off stage. Well, we're not going to walk off just yet because we want to talk about some practical tips or even suggestions that you might have from personal experience for people to use to overcome imposter syndrome. Maybe not forever, but in moments where they're feeling self-doubt or insecurity, what works for you? I would say both of you are pretty successful. Success is a lifelong journey, but I know you quite well and you're successful. So what works for you when you're ever having those moments of self-doubt? Something that's helped me in the last, I'd say, year or two, looking at my accomplishments and imagining that my friend has achieved those and Mm. how I would react to that. So if my friend got that high achievement award at her master's, would I be downplaying that? No. (laughs) You'd be jealous of her. I would fully like I'll I'll be honest like my one friend is starting so her social funny. psychology PhD this fall and I swear I feel like a proud parent cuz anytime someone is like talks about Waterloo I'm just like oh my friend she's doing a masters there and she's starting her PhD this fall where I'm just like if my friend had gets an award or she's like presenting at a conference like that to me is the biggest thing in the world I think they're so cool they're so smart they deserve every single bit of it so I've started doing that where I take my accomplishments that I objectively, I'm just like, it's not that big a deal. And I actually think about it as if a friend has getting those accomplishments and whether it really is a no big deal. A lot of the times I realize that I'm downplaying it. If someone else was getting those accomplishments, I would be incredibly proud of them. So that's helped me. That's so funny. Someone will like buy a car. Oh my gosh, you're so happy. for. And it's just like, but if you buy a car, eh. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so it's funny it's it's a great perspective that you put out there thinking about it as if it was someone you knew with those yeah. accomplishments yeah. one of the things that helped me is and this is an ongoing battle is overcoming the need to seek external validation by proving yourself to others the idea is if you base your self-esteem on the approval the appreciation of others, your confidence will always be unstable because it would be based on what other people are telling you or thinking of you, etc. So you really have to overcome it by working to make your self-esteem less dependent on these external factors like other people. So again, there are safe spaces to have these discussions with people you trust, etc. But it's definitely something that's easier said than done because a lot of people, frankly, base their self-worth and their self-esteem by what other people say to them. But if you could take steps to reduce that in a sense, and just like Perva mentioned, appreciate yourself and the amazing things that you do, it goes a long way into combating some of these negative implications of having imposter syndrome. I know we mentioned fear of failure as well. I think don't 
I feel like even if you think it's not your best work or you're not 100% sure you're going to do the best at it, don't let that fear of failure stop you from trying your hardest or from putting in or even just starting a project. If you've had something in your mind for months on end and you're just afraid to start it because you think it's not going to go well, it's better to put it out there and see how it goes or put yourself out there and see how it goes versus not doing it at all and being unsure. A lot of the times that self-doubt, like LaShawn mentioned, really just comes from within and play on your strengths. Like you're clearly, like you're going to be an amazing person. Look at the fact that you've done amazing things in life and sometimes it hasn't worked out, but you've always learned from it. So even if it turns out that you fail at something, it'll always be helping you to get to your next step. And it's going to, again, it's the journey of it and not always the end goal. Whether you fail at something or you succeed, you're always going to get a lesson out of it because sometimes you succeed at something and realize it's not even something you want to do. And there's no formula for it all. So don't let the fear of failure stop you from doing things and putting yourself out there as well. And you could also glean the most important messages from when you fail, at least mm. in my experience. When I yeah. fail, I take it pretty hard. But at the end of the day, how do you respond to that failure? You could take it a couple of ways, but if you're able to frame that in a positive way and use that to help build your confidence and self-esteem going forward, it'll really help you in the long run. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is that it's important to separate, like fail from failure. For example, that if something doesn't go the way you wanted or expected, that you don't see yourself as a failure, but that that situation failed. Right. So if, because if you become a failure, you don't have much ground to stand on to overcome that. So it's important to decouple the person from the fail or failure in order to be resilient and do better next time. Now, another thing that's important as well, from my perspective, is to just rethink the way you think about imposter syndrome. So separate those feelings from facts. If your validation is very tied to external factors like how people think of you and you also have your internal self-doubt logically if someone told you that you were very good at a particular task over and over you should also weigh that equally or even more don't just weigh the bad things that people say about you because if you're externally driven and you're hearing some bad and you're hearing a lot more good why not weigh the good proportionally higher as well so that's something just to reshape the way you think of it. Don't weigh the bad things more. So that's a very important part as well. The last thing I want to add is if this is something that you're struggling with, imposter syndrome, and it's preventing you from excelling at work, in your personal life, or in school, and it's something that's very debilitating, I would encourage you to seek external help for professionals that are way more knowledgeable than we are. And this is by no means medical or professional advice that we're giving you. We just want to give you a framework to understand imposter syndrome and why we should take it seriously. This was Gordon, LaShawn, and Perva, your favorite public health professionals, signing off. See you next time. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.